is anyone else in this room old enough to remember the movie Jaws? I mean, some of you who are young may have actually seen it, um, but it came out in 1975. It's over 40 years old now, but it's still considered one of the best films ever made. Until the release of Star Wars in 1977, it was the highest grossing film of all time. And I was in high school at the time it came out, and if you remember the film, there's one part that uh, someone is checking out a boat that has sunk, and they're checking it out, and this severed head appears through this hole in the bottom of the boat. It was one of those moments designed to make you jump and scream. And it did. Right? And uh, after seeing the movie a few times, I would go to the theater with two of my friends, and just before that head would appear, we would scream at the back of the theater, causing everyone in the theater to turn around and look at us and miss the severed head moment. We did this two or three times before we moved on to other fun pranks. But we always imagined the people who were in those theaters talking about the movie with their friends and their friends mentioning the severed head moment and these people having a total look of confusion. Don't you hate it when you miss something that everyone else is talking about? Well, last Sunday night, our advanced commitment night, was one of those moments that some of you missed. 150 to 160 of us from both campuses gathered at the embassy suites, and it was great. We worshiped together, and we heard testimonies, uh, and the people there made their financial commitments to Unstoppable uh, to lead the way for the rest of impact. And if you missed it, don't be too upset because next weekend we will have a similar experience at all of our uh, services. And um, we will show some of the video from Advanced Commitment Night and we'll join together to make our unstoppable commitments. And I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it because next weekend is going to be one of those moments that everyone will be talking about. I would cancel anything that you have that might keep you away because it's going to be huge. It's going to be encouraging. It's going to be inspiring. It's going to be a historic moment in the life of our church all at the same time. And in preparation for that, I want to talk to you about the commitment card that we will ask you to fill out. You can find a, a copy of the worksheet on page 18 of your book. But I, I want to talk to you about it because some have indicated some confusion. I want to stress that what goes on this card isn't just the extra funds that you plan to give to Unstoppable over what you're giving now. What goes on this card is everything you plan to give to Impact over the next two-year period. This box at the top is a box for you to list the amount that you are currently giving per year to Impact. If you're already giving to Impact, you're already ready to make an unstoppable commitment. You fill it in in that box, what you give per year 
The next box down is where you put what God is leading you to increase your giving for uh, Unstoppable per year. Then you add those numbers together in the third box, you times it by two over here, and that is your unstoppable commitment. Well, at least until you get to this line about stored resources, but we'll talk more about that later in the service. And that is an important thing. By the way, if this is your first day at Impact or your first time back in a while, we are uh, four weeks into a five-week series called Unstoppable. We're examining what the Bible says about trusting God in many areas, including our personal generosity. And we have been seeing God show up and change lives through this. One man who attended Impact two or three a few times two or three years ago um, showed up, wandered back into a service the very first weekend of our Unstoppable campaign. And um, he was so touched and moved by what God was doing and God was working in his heart that he gave his heart and life to Jesus and he was one of the five people baptized into Christ last weekend. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, you can clap for that. And Pastor Bill did a great job last weekend emphasizing what we've been saying. We really believe that generosity is transformational. When we learn to follow Jesus' ex example and give generously, it will change our lives. It will transform our relationships with Jesus and with others. And so our focus has been on not just believing in Jesus, but learning to believe him. To lear learning to believe Jesus. Believing what he said and uh, that what he promised will happen when we have this proper view of our money and our resources. And as we have been saying, Unstoppable is more about what God wants for you than what he wants from you. And that's right in line with what Jesus said. That's right in line with what Jesus said. It's often quoted, but look at Acts chapter 20. Here's what he said. Remember that our Lord Jesus said, more blessings come from giving than receiving. More blessings come from giving than receiving. And many of us are figuring that out. Some of us who made commitments last weekend felt the joy. We felt the blessing and we felt some fear because of what God had called us to do. And by the way, Jill and I made our commitment last Sunday night. But that doesn't mean that we're finished with this unstoppable journey. This past week, God has continued to work on us and to work on our hearts. And I've heard from others who were there and who made commitments, but God is still working on their heart. And I expect several who made commitments will uh, change their commitments, that all of us will join together next weekend in our commitment. And so if we all do this, if we all let God keep working on us, and we pray about this, and then we just follow his leading, we will discover the truth of Jesus' words, that there really is more blessings and spiritual growth through giving than receiving. And I also want to acknowledge that God is going to move in each of our hearts differently because we're different, and we're in different places on the unstoppable generosity journey. In your unstoppable book, which you can still get one at the 
hub out in the lobby. But in your unstoppable book, on pages 16 and 17, our book gives to us this brief description of that unstoppable journey. And this area of generosity really is a journey that we take with God as we grow in him. At, an, at impact, we talk about every area, uh, uh, about the next steps that we have. Each of us has some step that God wants us to take. Whether you have been a follower of Jesus for weeks or for decades, there is a step God wants you to take in your relationship with him. And that step's different for each of us. For some, it might be reading the Bible more. For some, it might be getting in a growth group or overcoming anger or beginning to serve Jesus in some way or getting rid of some other uh, hurt or some other hang-up that you might have. But all of us have a next step. And he has a next step for each one of us so that we can get closer to him. And I think that each of us also has a next step on this generosity journey too. So today, let me briefly talk about stops on the unstoppable generosity journey. Some stops that are listed there in your book, but let's go through these. And as we go through these, try to figure out where you are currently on this unstoppable generosity journey and see if God reveals what your next stop or next step might be in this area. Let's begin at the beginning and let's talk about first and exciting stops. First and exciting stops. The two stops that we'll talk about here are the steps that people begin to take as God touches their heart, as they begin this generosity journey. This is where generosity begins to become transformational in our life. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to people about financial commitments that they had made to a special offering. The special offering was going to be used to help people who were in need, people who were struggling financially, people who were suffering as a result of a famine. And in some of the verses, he seems to talk to people who are at the first two stops on the generosity journey. He talks to them about the practical side of giving, about helping people with less meet needs. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 8. I'll start with verse 13. We do not want you to have troubles while other people are at ease, but we want everything to be equal. At this time, you have plenty. What you have can help others who are in need. Then later, when they have plenty, they can help you when you are in need, and all will be equal. As it is written in the scriptures, the person who gathered more did not have too much, nor did the person who gathered less have too little. Just as Paul does in these verses, these first two givers on our unstoppable journey really seem to focus on the project. They seem to focus on the need. Stop one is the initial giver. An initial giver is someone who decides to give to the church uh, for the very first time. This giver says, I see the need and I'm willing to trust. I see the need and I'm willing to trust. They may give first to a special offering that the church is taking to meet the needs of people who have been affected by an earthquake or by a hurricane. Or they may give to the church because they see it making a difference in the lives of our students and 
our kids, but something moves this person and they decide to give something for the first time because they see the need. And their giving is also an act of trust. By giving, they trust God and they trust the leaders of the church to use the gift in a way that will help people and in a way that will make a difference. And some of you sitting here are considering becoming initial givers. You haven't given to God through impact yet, and you're thinking about it. You see God beginning to touch your heart, and you're getting interested in what God is about to do through impact for the different communities that we serve. And uh, you have been asking yourself questions like, can I trust God if I give this? Or can I trust the church with this gift? And if that's where you are on the unstoppable journey, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you. If you have never committed yourself to giving before and you do it this time, get ready for life change. Get ready for transformation because what God has for you is so much bigger than what God wants from you. But let's also look at the next stop on the generosity journey. Stop two is the consistent giver. The consistent giver. A consistent giver is someone who decides to give something and to give it on a consistent basis. They don't just give one time or to special projects, but they give a certain amount on a consistent basis. This giver says, I see the need and I have a responsibility. I see the need and I have a responsibility. This giver is often still focused on the need, but they also see that they have a responsibility and they want to do their part. They feel some obligation to give because they're part of the church and they want to make sure that the church is able to keep its ministries going and they know they are a partner in what God is doing at Impact and at their campus and they want to be consistent in making sure that the needs are met. And again, if this is where you are or where God's moving you to, it's an exciting step. It's exciting. It says, I don't want to be on the sidelines anymore. I want to be a part of the team. I want to get in the game. This is where your language begins to move to we when you talk about the church. Instead of saying, Impact offers this or Impact does this for the community, you begin to say, at my church, we offer this and we do this for the community. And that's a huge and important step. By the way, it's at this step that many of our members have decided to begin giving electronically. They set up the amount that they have decided to give through their bank or uh, through our website, and they have it come out of their account on a consistent basis. Probably half of our people, including Jill and I, give electronically. We give online or uh, using the church app or through the kiosk or we text to give, and we do that rather than giving uh, through the offering bags that go around. But if you decide that you want to give through the offering bags, you can still be a consistent giver. It just takes a little bit more discipline. Again, becoming a consistent giver is a great thing, and it might be the next stop for some on the generosity journey. But let's shift gears a little, and let's look at a crucial but dangerous stop. A crucial but dangerous stop. This is crucial 
because this is where we move from focusing on needs and focusing on what touches my heart and what I feel responsibility to do to moving to focusing on giving as an act of worship to God. I move to giving uh, out of a desire to really honor God when I take this step. And this is stop three on the journey, and uh, it is the intentional giver. The intentional giver. And this giver says, I'm expressing my love for God, and I'm participating in his purpose. I'm expressing my love for God, and I'm participating in his purpose. This person doesn't just see the need or responsibility to give. They begin to feel a desire to honor God in this way. They want to grow. They want to become like Jesus in this area, just like they're growing in other areas. In Paul's conversation with the church in Corinth about their giving, he talks about this. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. You are rich in everything, in faith, in speaking, in knowledge, in truly wanting to help, and in the love you learn from us. In the same way, be strong also in the grace of giving. He says, just like you're growing and you're doing well in your faith, and just like you're growing and you're doing well in your knowledge, and just like you're getting strong and helping people and growing and loving people, I want you to grow and become strong in this area of giving too. I want that to be a growth area for you. And after he says that he wants them to experience this grace of giving, Paul says something kind of bold. It's a little bit shocking what he says next. Look at verses 8 and 9. Paul says, I'm not commanding you to give, but I want to see if your love is true by comparing you with others that really want to help. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that Christ was rich, but for you he became poor, so that by his becoming poor, you might become rich. He wants to challenge them. He wants to see if their love for God is true, and he wants to do that by comparing their giving commitments in this area. First, he compares them to Christ. Did you catch that in that verse? Jesus was rich and he became poor for you. <laughs> That's quite a comparison. But then he is going to go on, and he's going to compare them to some other Christians who are far um, more poverty-stricken than them. And he says, I want to compare your giving to other people to see if your love for God is true. Wow. Kind of bold, isn't it? Kind of shocking. It's not something we do around here. But you know, I think one of the things that happens when we become an intentional giver is we do begin to make some comparisons. We begin to make some comparisons, I think, in our own finances. And we begin to make some choices. We begin to think about our giving in new and different ways. I remember struggling with this. Um, we were already intentional givers, and we were giving God 10% of our income, uh, what the Bible calls a tithe. And one day we were in a restaurant, and I was tipping a waitress, and I was figuring out what a 15% tip would be. And that's when it began to bother me. Why was I giving a waitress 15% when I was only giving God 10%? You see the comparison that I made there? 
why would I give her 15% and only give God 10%? So I lowered my tips for a while. <laughs> I'm not kidding, I really did. If you're a server, sorry about that, but that's what I did. But it bothered me. Another year, it bothered me that we gave more money to the government in taxes that year than we had given to God in that year. You see, moving to the stop on the generosity journey is crucial, but it's challenging. Because at this stop, our generosity causes us to really examine where God ranks in our life. We begin to think, where does God rank in my life? And we begin to ask ourselves some troubling questions. Questions like, can I really say that God is a priority in my life when I spend more on my cable or my cell phone bill per month than what I give to God? Or should I have a car payment cost me more each month than what I give to God? Or should I be giving more to God each month than what I give to my mortgage payment? You see, this is where we begin to ask that piercing question that Bill mentioned last week. Not what, what can I give, but what am I not giving and why? What am I not giving and why? Can you sense the struggle? Can you sense the spiritual growth that comes into our lives when we begin to deal with some of these questions? I mean, sometimes people want to talk about giving God the first fruits, and that's a biblical concept. What they mean by that is that usually when they say, I give God first fruits, what they mean is that's the first check I write. That's not a bad thing, that, you know, when I get paid, the first check I write is to God. But I want you to understand in the Bible, first fruits is more than just what order you write the checks in. It's more than just which check you write first. It's where the quality gifts go. It has to do with quality as well as timing. So we begin to struggle with this whole area of where God ranks in my life. And as we listen to him and as we let, let him become truly first and the top priority, that makes this, crucial, this a crucial step as we intentionally give first to God as a priority. This is often where people take the step of giving a biblical tithe of 10% and then offerings on top of that. But you may have noticed that I said that this is a crucial step, but I also said it's a dangerous stop on the journey. You know why it's a dangerous stop? Because even many who get this one right, who become intentional givers, many get stuck here. They get stuck here. It becomes a rest stop and sometimes a long-term stop. I mean, instead of it being one stop on the journey, it just becomes the end of the journey for some. We become settlers rather than travelers. And God wants to move us to a better place with even more blessings. He doesn't want us to stay here. He wants to move us to an even better place. He wants generosity to transform us even more. So look at fulfilling but costly stops on the generosity journey. 
in growth group this week, we will be looking at this next scripture. But I want to read it to you today. In it, David is told to go and to make sacrifices at a certain place. And that certain place happens to be the same place where God sent Abraham to be ready to sacrifice his son Isaac. It also happens to be the place where later the temple would be built. It seems to be a place that God liked to use for sacrifices. But look at this passage. I'll start in uh, 2 Samuel 24 at verse 18. When Arana came, uh, looked and saw the king and his officials coming towards him, he went out and he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Arana said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so that I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Arana said to David, let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering and here is our, our threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Arana, gives all of this to the king. Arana also said to him, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Arana, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David brought, bought the threshing floor and the oxen and he paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David refuses to take the land for free. He insists on paying for it because he says he would never offer God a sacrifice that cost him nothing. And this is an important scripture that we need to pay attention to. What this experience from the life of David teaches us is if it doesn't cost, it doesn't count. If it doesn't cost, it doesn't count. And the next two stops on the generosity journey are without a doubt the costliest. They are the ones with the biggest payoffs, even though they're the costliest. They have the biggest payoffs in regard to spiritual growth and transformation. They have the biggest payoffs in regard to feeling closer to God. They have the biggest payoffs in regard to learning to trust God, to really believe him. They have the biggest payoffs in regard to feeling that God is truly using you. These two stops accelerate the transformation that comes through generosity. Stop four is the sacrificial giver. This giver says, I'm paying a bigger cost to make a bigger difference. I'm paying a bigger cost to make a bigger difference. A sacrificial giver is one who begins to make changes that really cost them something, that they really feel in uh, his or her lifestyle. She or he wants to know that they are giving in a way that's changing them, that is costing them a part of themselves. They want their lifestyle to be different. They want it to reflect the heart they have for Jesus and the change that he is bringing into their lives. They want their giving to God to be larger than their lifestyle. Have you ever had a payment in your budget that was larger than your lifestyle? We have. Our first mortgage back in the early 80s was an incredible thing when I look back at it. Back in the early 80s, the mortgage that we had that we were really glad to get a 12.5% interest rate on, by the way, we, were, we celebrated that. I'm, I'm not kidding. But that 
that first mortgage in the early 80s had something called negative amortization. You know what that meant? That meant that our monthly payment wasn't even covering the interest on the loan for the first five years. It wasn't even covering the interest on the loan. We actually owed more money at the end of five years than we did when we started the loan. Who came up with that idea? Wasn't that a great idea? I mean, who thinks of this? You know what that really meant. We could not afford that house. We couldn't afford it. Our mortgage was larger than our lifestyle. Sacrificial giving is when our giving is larger than our lifestyle. Sacrificial giving is when we give more than we really can afford to give. It's larger than our lifestyle. We sell things or we don't buy things in order to sacrifice to give. And by the way, that's what sacrifice is, isn't it? It's when you give up something you currently have or don't get something you were going to have in order to be able to give to God. And that's what a sacrificial giver does. A sacrificial giver is really focused on giving to God in ways that make a bigger difference, that influence more people. And they believe as they make these commitments to give more than they can afford, they believe that God will honor their giving and show them ways that they can adjust their finances to be able to give at that level or that God will even bless them with more so that they can give even more. They really believe the promise that Paul mentions in 2 Corinthians 9. Let me read uh, from 2 Corinthians 9. I'll start with verse 11. He makes you rich in every way so that you can always give freely. And your giving through us will cause many to give thanks to God. This service you do not only helps the needs of God's people, it also brings many more thanks to God. Thanks be to God for his gift that is too wonderful for words. I love those last words there. That's a reference to Jesus. God's gift of Jesus, his sacrificial gift, is too wonderful for words. And we're almost out of time, but I want to mention to you one last stop on our generosity journey. And that is stop five, the legacy giver. The legacy giver. Now, there's a difference between the sacrificial giver and the legacy giver. The sacrificial giver is giving up things. They're cutting things out of their budget, and they're selling things to be able to give more, and they focus on how they can give more. The legacy giver is focused on living on less. They're focused on minimizing all of their expenses with the purpose of being able to give absolutely everything else to God. They're not minimizing for the sake of simplifying or being minimalist. They're minimizing their expenses so that they can give everything else to God. And that's a different thing. The, the, this giver says, I'm changing my lifestyle to change future generations. And you know, when we talk about legacy givers, we often assume that you have to be really rich to be a legacy giver. But that's not the case. Paul uses some legacy givers as examples when he's talking to the church in Corinth. He uses the testimony of some really poor people who decided to give like legacy givers. Look at what he says about them in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 3 through 5. They gave as much as they could afford, 
and even more simply because they wanted to. They even asked and begged us to let them give or have the joy of giving their money to God's people. And they did more than we had hoped. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us just as God wanted them to do. They gave themselves first and fully to the Lord. And then they begged to be able to give money. They begged and then they gave more than they could afford to give. They created a legacy. They were legacy givers. And here we are, thousands of years later, still talking about their legacy, still talking about their giving. I've known some legacy givers in my lifetime. I know, I've known legacy givers who sold their house and downsized so that they could give a huge gift to God's work. I've known legacy givers who gave up their retirement funds and started all over again. I knew one couple in Arizona that came out of retirement and went back to work for three years so that they could give legacy gifts. You see, legacy givers basically make their lifestyle fit around their giving rather than their giving fit around their lifestyle. And God may be calling some of us to become legacy givers at this time in our life. He may be calling us there. Now, I've got to tell you, I'm not at this stop yet, but wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to be there? I mean, he may not be calling you to jump from where you are to that level, but maybe he is calling at least some of us to take huge steps in that direction. Today, I want you to hear from a couple that God has taken on this generosity journey over the last few years. Watch this. Well, I'm Lainey, and this is my husband, Rick, and we've been coming here for about four years. Since I'm coming to the church, um, I'm involved with the tech team. I do projection, and I am lucky enough I get to film the baptisms, and I have seen so many people coming to Christ every day that it's just amazing. Week after week, we have people that are coming and learning about Christ and just growing. Yeah, the growth of the church is uh, is something that is is amazing. You know, you hear the stories from where we are right now to in this place uh, that we're recording uh, is where they started and how big this church has grown over the last few years that we've been involved. And now to take another step forward, although it's challenging and scary, um, you know, people are at their best when they're challenged the most. excites me about it, Unstoppable, is I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I look forward to the growth. I want to reach out and I want to see God touch everybody in this community because I know what it's like to walk alone and not even realize how alone you really are. And I don't want anyone to be that lost again. Honestly, I can't wait to see how, how this church just rallies around what is such a huge challenge to make happen for the better good of our, our community and for our God. Rick grew up in the church. I did not. And even though he grew up in the church, that giving uh, mentality of the tithing was not instilled. He thought it was kind of a joke almost and one of the very first sessions we ever had in this church was actually on giving 
the one part that reached him was it said the only part in the Bible that ever said that God wanted to be tested in was in finance. And he goes, <laughs> okay, God said, test me. I'm going to test this. And we started giving you know, the 10% of his income, 10% of my income, and just started doing it. And we never once struggled. It was, I don't know how it ever happened, but we were struggling prior. Yet we started giving more, and yet we never hurt, and we never needed it for anything. And it was the oddest, awesome thing that's ever happened, because he was going, I don't get it. And so now this next part is going to be the challenge that I really like uh, to see where it's going to go, because I know we need to sacrifice coming up here, and I, I need to push even further with this. And it's going to be another test for me. This is my test now. I've tested him and he's come through, so now it's my turn to be tested and see. And uh, I'm hoping that I'm up for that challenge. I'm Rick. And I'm Lainey. And, and we, we want to be unstoppable. Isn't that a great story? I mean, I love the journey that God has had Laney and Rick on. And I love Rick talking about how he took God at his word and tested God and how unstoppable now is his turn to pass the test. And it really is a chance for all of us to examine where we're at in this area of generosity. And maybe you need to think through where you are currently on that unstoppable journey. And what stop is next for you? What steps God is asking you to take? And by the way, he may not just be asking you to go from one stop to the next one. He may want you to leapfrog over uh, some of those steps. And maybe you have been focused and thinking about your commitment on uh, that, those lines on the card about uh, what you're going to give on a weekly basis. But you may also need to focus on what you're going to give up. That's part of the sacrifice, and you may have to sell something, or you might have to consider whether or not uh, you uh, should be giving some of that money that you have saved for a rainy day, or maybe you have stocks or other stored assets. You may need to consider what stored assets God wants you to give, and you just need to let God work in your heart and do what he asks you to do. But let me conclude with one last scripture. One last scripture. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Some of you are very familiar with it. You like this scripture regarding giving, but let me read it to you. Each one of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give. You should not be sad when you give, and you should not give because you feel forced to give. God loves the person who gives happily. God loves the person who gives happily. And I've got to tell you, you should let God work on your heart and you should give what you have decided along with God in your heart to give. And you should not feel forced to give. We are not forcing you to give. You don't need to sell things that others in our church are selling so that you can give more unless God leads you to do that. Give what God puts on your heart to give. But also, don't fall into the trap that 
Some have fallen into with this verse. Some have totally misused this verse. They read, God loves people who give happily. And so they think, and sometimes they say, you know what, I wouldn't be happy about giving, so I'm off the hook. I wouldn't be happy about giving, so I don't have to give. If I can't do it cheerfully, God doesn't want me to do it at all. Now, think about that for a minute. Do you really think that's why that verse is there? Do you really think that's why that verse is in the Bible? To give you an excuse not to give? Or is it there to tell you the attitude God wants you to develop? The attitude that God wants in your heart where you give not because you feel forced to give, but you give out of joy with an attitude of happiness that's the attitude he wants you to develop about generosity and so if you're not a cheerful giver right now if you can't be cheerful about this the first transformation God wants to make in your heart is to change your attitude from a worldly attitude to God's attitude because God loves people who give happily that's the attitude he wants in our let me pray for you and for all of us as we continue this journey with God. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you have given to us. All of the good things that we have in this life and in this world come from you. Our health, our uh, breath, our uh, resources, the blessings that we have of living in this country, the beauty around us. Thank you, Father, for everything that you have given to us. Thank you most of all for your gift that's too wonderful for words, your gift of Jesus who paid the price for us. And now, Father, we ask that you will work in our hearts. We give you permission to challenge us and to change us as we seek to follow you fully. Father, open our hearts that we might have your attitude, that we might become generous people, that we might become transformed to become more like Jesus through our own personal generosity. And Father, we will give you the glory in Jesus' name.